0: If you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, check out the Classic Football Shirts HQ at the Box in Hackney. Screen in every World Cup match with a pop-up shop, World Cup artwork and small shirt display from the 14th to the 24th of June. Tickets for guaranteed entry can be bought through Eventbrite. Just search Classic Football Shirts London.
1: This is Gareth Southgate and this is the Three Lines podcast.
2: Hello there and welcome to episode 25 of the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne. Wow, who had money on 6-1 then? A Harry Kane hat-trick, two for John Stones and a beauty for Jesse Lingard. Just as the first half against Tunisia, we showed the watching world we are a force to be reckoned with. Apparently, we scored more against Panama as we had had in our previous seven World Cup games combined. Not since San Marino in 2015 had we scored six in a game and it was the first time we've hit four in the World Cup since a certain afternoon in 1966. You may have seen a tweet I put out following the photo that was published by our very own media, supposedly showing Gareth Southgate's team lineup for the Panama game. I decided that I'd been lazy in the last podcast by reeling off newspaper headlines. They get enough coverage as it is. England bloggers... Well, they don't. They don't get that sort of coverage. And I'd like to hope they don't stoop to that sort of low, providing the opposition with our starting eleven, So here we are, a couple of headlines from our dedicated England blogs. Englandfootball.org say Panama pounded as England progress. Englandfootball.blog said England have six appeal and our own FA's website, fa.com, say, Record-breaking England crush Panama to progress to World Cup knockout stages. I'll get some links up to these on our Facebook and Twitter pages, and I recommend you have a, uh, have a read through those. Incidentally, I loved Gareth's reaction to the whole situation by saying, and I quote, Obviously, any time, if we were to give the opposition the opportunity of having our team, it's a disadvantage to us. So of course our media has to decide if they want to help the team or not. Class. Class. This after he'd given an open house to our very own media before the players took to the skies. They literally turned around and stabbed him in the back. It's not on. We'll talk more on England very soon. I've also spoken with someone who knows his Belgian football and also speak with an England fan who was there in 1990 for that game and that goal. But first, a few of my own observations whilst I've been sat sitting on the sofa since we last spoke. So VAR is still taking the headlines, despite their very defensive football. That was heartbreaking to see Iran celebrating against Spain, then be ruled out for offside. And then the penalty given to Australia against Denmark. The play must have continued for about 40-45 seconds and Denmark had made their way up the pitch before the referee was advised to watch the screen. I like the way it's been generally getting the correct decisions right, uh, apart from Harry Kane in the Tunisia, but that seemed to have been all sorted out yesterday. But on the whole, it's just taking too long to review for my liking. Gareth Southgate supposedly slips over whilst out running and hurts his shoulder and ends up with it in a sling. Brings back memories of Gary Lewin in the last World Cup against Italy when he was stretchered off after he slipped celebrating Daniel Sturridge's goal. Remember that one? Argentina struggling. Drawing against Iceland and then being put aside by Croatia. I'm not sure if he was actually crying, but seeing Maradona upset gave he, gave me and you, I'm sure, A small amount of pleasure. Although I don't think it really should be much of a surprise that Argentina are in fact struggling. If you go back to their qualifying, they only managed to get there on the last day with a victory over Ecuador. And even then they went behind in that game. They finished third in their group on 28 points, one ahead of Colombia, two points ahead of Peru, yet 13 behind Brazil. They may have Lionel Messi, who incidentally has already retired from international football once. And he's got them out of trouble on numerous occasions. They've also got the likes of Mascherano, Aguero, Dybala and Higuain. But they perform like a team of individuals. Much like it was said about Belgium at the last Euros. And we'll get on to them soon. And staying with South America. Brazil made hard work of it against Costa Rica. VAR again. But I was more annoyed that both sides wore their away colours. Brazil in all blue and Costa Rica in white. FIFA obviously is putting their foot down, saying they both have to wear them. But yellow against red was okay when they both met in 1990. We're in the heat of Nizhny Novgorod all appeared to go to plan against Panama in our second Group G game, although I don't think anyone saw a 6-1 result coming. would appear anything Belgium can do, we can do too. So we're joined by Dom Smith, author of EnglandFootball.org, who's here to to kind of digest the game with us. Dom, you all right?
1: Yeah, great, thanks. Uh, good to be here again. How was that for you? Uh, well, I'm not sure I could, I've even digested it yet, and this is a few hours on, so... Uh... Yeah, there's a there's a lot to talk about.
2: Let's let's start with that starting lineup, shall yeah. we? Just just refresh everyone. We had Pickford in goal with Walker, Stones, and Maguire, uh, Trippier, and Young as our back wing backs. Henderson, Loftus Cheek, Lingard, Young, Sterling, and Kane. Go on then. Mm-hmm. Let's let's crack on. Six goals, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, great performance, especially in the first half. Naturally, you're going to sort of slow down in the second half. But I, if if I was Gareth Southgate and no prizes for guessing. I'm obviously not. <laughs> I, would have, I would have gone for the exact same 11 um, You're happy with that? Absolutely, yeah. I think it's the right decision. Keep, keep momentum going because that's, that's better than giving everyone a game. Sort of. Keep momentum going, keep the same players performing, you know, go far in the tournament.
2: We just had to make the change where it was needed. Loftus cheeks for Ali.
1: Yeah, yeah I, th- I think that was a given really. He, he played well enough as a substitute to make sure that was him and not anyone else.
2: So I mean, we we scored two from the spot, two headers, one from outside the box, and and yeah, a fluky one which Harry Kane will claim. They they're coming from all angles, aren't they?
1: Yeah, we've never been a threat from a threat from set pieces. I mean, the only time I can think and I I wasn't an England fan at this point was the sort of Sol Campbell Rio Ferdinand era where we had some big strong centre backs. But honestly, Harry Maguire and John Stones have have made that their. Their sort of master plan. Every corner that goes in, it, it, it's not about whether the team, whether the defence will get it away from the opposition. It's whether we're going to put it in the back of the net or come close.
2: I think John Stones put put himself down a marker for that first goal that Harry Kane got against Tunisia. Mm. He was he was the provider of that, wasn't he? When he headed that yeah. one, yeah. and he done exactly the same again today. Free header, bang, one nil. We started just as we did um against Tunisia.
1: Yeah, and and he deserves that. That that's him getting his just desserts for not having got that first England opener against Tunisia. That that's two goals, and he could have added a, added his third in the second half. He
2: could, couldn't he, he? I mean, that would Kane, have been a, quite the story, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah. Um. I mean, Kane got his hat trick. Um. He's he's got a hat trick in a World Cup now, alongside Gary Lineker and Jeff Hurst as well. Could he be Golden Boot material? He could,
1: uh, and actually, I think. Players like uh, Romelu Lukaku or Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, I think they would need to get far into the tournament to be, to be golden boot contenders. But Harry Kane, I, I, I've been thinking about this for, for, a, for a few months now. If you, think, if you look at season by season, his best goals each season are getting worse and worse. And that's not because he's getting worse. That's because he's perfecting the art of, po- of poaching goals. He, he's not going to score goals that Gerard or Rooney would anymore. He, he's he's scoring Shearer and Lineker goals week in, week out for Tottenham and now for England. And he's, if we go out in the round of 16, he could easily have scored eight goals by then.
2: Very true. Not that Very
1: we will. True. Just
2: saying. So. <laughs> well, let's hope not. We've scored six today and it's all positives all round, but there, there are a couple of... I think a downside, and I don't want to like spend too much time on this, but a downside is the fact that Panama scored mm. great, great from their perspective that they scored, and their fans loved it, didn't they? But it proves that we need to concentrate for ninety minutes. Just before they scored that goal, uh, it was Roman Torres put one just past the post, didn't he?
1: He did, and it was very close. And we were all um we couldn't believe quite how close it was watching back home, but. Um, yeah, about the Panama goal. I didn't actually think Panama needed to score because their fans were having a ball. They were having a great time. Being at the World Cup is good, is a fairy tale enough for them. I mean, one of their qualifiers, they lost 4-0 to the USA I mean, uh, and then they qualified ahead of them. So they are very lucky to be here, really. So um, and then sort of showed today losing 6-1 to England. <laughs> Oh, that's
2: got to be the icing on the cake for them, hasn't it?
1: Oh yeah, they will have come here wanting, to, wanting to get to get the goal, and and the, they they did deserve it in the second half. That they were actually better than England in the second half. I'd like to, yeah, it is about concentration. It's not about quality defending, but I'd like to think if the scores one-one with Mexico in the quarterfinal, or let's say it's nil-nil with Belgium after seventy, I like to think we would not concede that goal.
2: Mm, it just means that we need to we need to keep our heads absolutely 90 minutes we were just spoken previously there's something you wanted to mention raheem sterling
1: yeah the 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 only thing i would say about about that is the the radio at the moment i I keep listening to five live and they they're Mm. doing what i like to call the daily sterling every day we have to talk and talk about england's most controversial player
2: it's not just radio five live in fairness to them it's Mm. it's it's the newspapers it's absolutely every other radio station
1: yeah, he's he's obviously for whatever reason England's most controversial player, and my thoughts on him are that um, are that it's right to keep playing him and, and playing him up front. By the way, I don't want to put him on the wing and I don't want to put him in a, in an Ali or Lingard role. And okay, you know Rashford and Vardy, it's it's not it's fact to say that they're better finishers. But th- what they don't do is make clear, explicit chances for other players, better finishers like Kane or like themselves. Raheem may sometimes be a bit too unselfish and you can't understand why he hasn't shot. But you can't argue that his speed and, and his well his, his choices of pass make him as productive an England player as anyone. His name is never written below the scoreline. He never, he never gets on the score sheet. And he should have headed us 4-0 up today. Um, But as soon, and I I, I did spot this, as soon as John Stones did make sure on the rebound with that, Sterling was beaming from ear to ear. He seems like a lovely person and I would say a genuine England fan as well, which has also been questioned about him and a player that I think is, is vitally important for England.
2: Yeah, I mean it was a it was a cracking header that led to to Stones' <laughs> second goal, uh, and even in the second half he he had a chance where he was running through, and that's where he showed his pace, and and it was just the keeper got to the ball just marginally quicker than he did, mm. and you kind of think he it, I, I like Sterling, but you'd just like him just to get a goal, and and then maybe the daily Sterling, as you say, can just wind down a little bit. Can ease
1: off, yeah. yeah. That's what we, I've been saying to my dad as well, that the one down thing about this game, we didn't get any injuries. It looked like Lingard was injured in the first minute, but obviously mm. he recovered. The only thing is that Sterling was given his chance to show his goal-scoring abilities and he didn't quite show it. It was a good header, but it, it was right at the keeper, wasn't it? So
2: Yeah. So so saying earlier you said about um, it's good to keep momentum with the... Mm. With the squad, with the team, we've just had to make changes where we needed to. Would you do the same for the Belgium game? Would you keep Sterling in? And I hate to sound like we're almost turning into the daily Sterling here. But would you keep the team the same?
1: I I would make maybe two or three or four changes. And potentially I would make Sterling one. But I would not leave Sterling. I, I would start Rashford and Kane, see how that works as a, as a forward line because Roy Hodgson tried Vardy and Kane and that just did not work. Mm. Try Rashford and Kane, but do not leave Sterling on the bench for 90 minutes. Bring him on and bring him on early to show him more than anyone else that he is still a big part of Gareth Southgate's plans. And, and if he doesn't start against Belgium, obviously we're through. He, yeah. There's no doubt about it. He will be starting more games in this World Cup.
2: Yeah. I mean, to, even to bring him on from the bench, he can be explosive, can't he?
1: He can. Yeah. And and he, and he does for Manchester City. In the cup competitions, he rarely starts. And when he comes on, he, he, he often gets a few goals. So, yeah.
2: So let's have a... Uh, OK, we're, we're both through anyway, England and Belgium. Mm-hmm. What, what is your prediction for that game? How do you see that going?
1: Uh, I'm doing a, a World Cup predictions competition with my brother and my dad. And I've oh, got yeah. 1-0 Belgium down. But we're not on the Red Devils podcast. We're on the Three Lines podcast. So I'm going to go for lots of changes for the Belgium team, a few changes for the England team, 1-1.
2: And at the moment, um, at the time that we're recording this, obviously earlier on in the day, Japan drew with Senegal 2-2. Um, mm-hmm. And Poland, let me see if I can... They,
1: are, they were 1-0 down.
2: Who Poland uh, were losing one 0 to Colombia? Were they?
1: Yeah, Yerry Mina from Barcelona scored a header, but I don't know if, if that's still up to date.
2: Let's get an update on this. And by the time that we, uh, by the time that this podcast is out, it'll obviously be out of date. But you are right; it still remains Poland nil Colombia one. So, right, it's, it's still all to play for in that in that group. But we could still meet a Japan or a Senegal, couldn't we?
1: I am hoping that we can top the group. I don't like all this nonsense about playing Mexico rather than Germany in the quarterfinal. Let, let's get to the quarterfinal first. And by the way, yeah. Mexico could quite easily knock us out. So let's get to the quarterfinal. I fancy Colombia are just as athletic as us. They in their opening game they they gave a competitive debut to. I think it was a fullback, left or right. I'm not quite sure which. It, 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 I'm telling you, he he could match Carl Walker. So if if we play you know what colombia or senegal are both athletic teams so the round of 16 match don't write it off we have got to be on on top notch to, to win that game
2: i think you're quite right you're quite right dom how's the uh, how's the website going englandfootball.org
1: yeah it's uh, it's going very well i'm uh, a bit busy at the moment during the world cup as you are with your podcast but um yeah i'm really enjoying it I'm, I'm not looking to give it up at all at the moment. It's just an excuse to be creative, and it's, it's growing in readership. So, yeah. Good stuff.
2: Well, as before, we'll, uh, we'll put a link to that on our uh, – well, you, you regularly post on our Facebook page, but I'll put a link to that on our Twitter mm. as well. Dom, thank you very much for joining us on the Three Lions podcast. Anything else you'd like to add?
1: No, I think we've summed up. We've beaten Panama 6-1. Let's all go and get drunk.
2: <laughs> I like this. I like this guy's style. Dom, thank you
1: very much. Let's speak again. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers.
2: Now, you can follow Dom on Twitter at underscore Dom Smith underscore. Uh, we'll hear more from him soon. But moving on, let's catch up with CJ Joyner, our man who's uh, who's filming anything that moves in Russia. CJ, how's things?
0: Good, thanks, Russell. How are you?
2: Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Now, the last time we spoke was after Tunisia. Uh, I've seen you've been via Moscow uh, and yesterday you were in the ground in Nizhny for England, Panama. How was that?
0: For worst days, 5-0 um, <laughs> up at half-time. I don't know whether it is they were good. Well, they weren't good. But whether they were bad and we were good. I, I couldn't say whether we played badly or whether we played well. Whether they played badly or whether... I, I, just, I just... Well, I know 100% they played badly. Um, but what, what can you say really about it? We we just tore them apart didn't we in that first half we were we wanted to be more clinical after we played tunisia we were we were just very 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 clinical we took our chances we didn't give them a chance to breathe at the back in that first half um second half was a it's a bit of a damp squib really uh, yeah. obviously the um the atmosphere was was brilliant from the first half but put it this way if that had been 0-0 yeah
3: let oh, think about it. Yeah,
0: that that second half would have been like, what is going on here? It would have been as boring as anything that would have been, but um, and but I suppose in the second half we did see it. We we scored earlier on, earlier on, and and then we Panama scored. No, I suppose I was actually reasonably pleased for them to be honest. That they got a goal. They went mental. They went absolutely mental. I was, I was really happy. I was really happy when I for them when I was talking to them afterwards. Um, it just meant everything to them. They didn't care about our six. All they cared about was their one. And for me, that's what these big events like the football World Cup, cup the Rugby World Cup, um, the Olympics. That's what. That's that is what these things are all about,
1: yeah. you know,
0: those little achievements. And that, that is a massive step now.
2: I don't um, know if you've seen it, um, but the, right at the very end, when the, the Panama manager um, shook hands with Gareth Southgate, um, he's been sort of pictured back here. He gave him the biggest thumbs up with the biggest smile. He, he was so happy, the Panamanian manager. I, it was like he was living a little dream, shaking hands with Gareth Southgate. And the, the thumbs up he gave him was great.
0: Yeah, it, it's, as I said, that's everything. That that's what that's what these tournaments and these big events are all about, isn't it? The Olympics, the yeah. World Cup, and what have you. That's what it's all about. It's not just obviously. We it, it is about winning. Mm-mm. It's a sport, but sometimes things go beyond. But that goal will, will be echoing through the the streets of Panama for the next few months, and they won't yeah. ever forget it.
2: No, no, neither will the. Uh... Well, the guy who scored it. What was the ground like?
0: Uh, to be honest, it's a little bit. It's a little bit of a smaller version of what we had against Tunisia in Volgograd. The um, more ar- the, the architecture on it was better. There was like um, really nice glass panels in the roof. Yeah. Um, the seat. The seats. Um, obviously before they were full, um, were blue, uh, well, two different shades of blue and, and white, which obviously loved being a country fan. You look at them and think, Oh, this is just wonderful. You this know, is a new Highfield Road, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And, and the same with the glass panels and the roof as well. The whole the whole thing just looks really, 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 really well designed. It's not like like we've got the Rico, or Leicester have got the Walkers, or uh, Southampton have got St. Mary's, and then you've got the other type like the the four stands without corners, you know, yeah. what you've got Shrewsbury and Colchester. They're just out of the box, basically. This uh, this you can tell that they try to do something different with it. And it was just it, it was it's it, it's just very, very, very nice to to look at and just, just to look around and think, yeah, they've actually put some thought into this. It wasn't just knocked up, and um, you know, a, a design that lots of other people have used.
2: Did you spend much time in Nizhny? What's that uh, like?
0: We were on a seven-hour train um overnight. We got there at half past six. I although there's a million people that live there, fifth largest largest city in Russia. Yeah. You walk out the train station and you look ahead of you at half past six in the morning and just look around and think. There's no one here, apart from the people going to this football match. You just, it just seems like a load of zombies walking, escaped out of the building. And yeah. thinking, what do we do now? Um, and then we walked We walked around Nisley um, until about midday, then we had, headed to the ground. Um, and then uh, we had about four or five hours afterwards. We didn't leave until about half eleven, which is ideal. We... You wouldn't want to live until about that time because, again, it was a night train. it's six or seven hours. Yeah. So we got, we got back to Moscow at half past six this morning. No. So it, it was, but like I said, Nizni, um, a quarter of it you want to try and avoid, it's very Soviet, very, okay. very Soviet, um, very rustic. Um, but then when you get particularly the other side of the river, uh, where the Fan Fest was, yeah, just like any any modern city with like a classic touch to it, it's quite
2: nice. Oh, nice one. We're going back to the back to the game. You had, from what I can gather, you had a decent view there. Was that your flag hanging behind the goal?
0: It was, yeah, it was.
2: Just to the right of um, the goal, as we looked at it, basically the opposite side of where Harry Kane put both his penalties.
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah. We'll,
2: we'll look out for that that one at the uh, at the next game. Uh, how are Dan and Dan? Dan and Dan, all right
0: yeah they're okay yeah, yeah. They're, 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 they've um, they've felt a bit fragile from time to time, <laughs> but they they're they're very 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 good Russell yeah good
2: and well, um, yeah looking forward to Belgium. how are you how are you making your way there?
0: We're on a train, I think it's about twenty one hours over nice. there. You get to go through Lithuania and belarus that the first train's actually quite a good one because we live at about half eleven in the morning and um we're getting about eight the next morning, so that's not too bad. The one the one on the way home, that leaves at about half-past two in the morning after the game. It gets in at half-twelve uh, okay. the next night. And so where are you we're going back, back to? to? Yeah, we, we're coming back to Moscow. Right. So um, we're coming back to the apartment that we're in at the moment.
2: Nice one. nice one. Well, I may see you out there. We'll have to catch up.
0: Fingers crossed. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully Russell, we can do this um, face-to-face rather than... Uh, why not? Yeah. Why, Why not? not?
2: Um, yeah. You can follow CJ. Where he goes this World Cup is on Twitter at CJ underscore covblaze. We'll speak to you again, TJ.
0: Yep. See you soon, Russell.
1: If
2: you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, check out the Classic Football Shirts HQ at the box in Hackney, screening every World Cup match with a pop-up shop, World Cup artwork and a small shirt display from the 14th to the 24th of June. Tickets for guaranteed entry can be bought through Eventbrite. Just search Classic Football Shirts London. So, I'm recording this this morning after Belgium's game with Tunisia, but before England's game with Panama. And I'd like to welcome John Chapman to the Three Lions podcast. John has been writing about Belgian football since 1998, and he's appeared in the likes of World Soccer Magazine, ESPN and The Guardian. And he joined us from Brussels. Good morning, John. Good morning, Russell. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah,
4: fine, thanks. Good
2: What's the feeling in, in Brussels and Belgium at the moment?
4: Uh, the feeling is very good. Um, the, the Belgium obviously played extremely well yesterday against Tunisia, but um, it's a bit like the, the qualifying rounds, really, where they play extremely well against teams that let them play and against teams that are not of the highest quality, if you like. So everybody is optimistic, but there's always a feeling that yes, but... Will it be the same when they meet one of the big teams? So would, would you say
2: that Belgium's World Cup has gone to plan so far then?
4: Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, everybody thought they would qualify for the knockout stages. Everybody thinks England will qualify for the knockout stages. Um, yeah, so it's going to plan. The difference this time, I think, than the previous two big tournaments they played in is that there's a, a lot of confidence in the Belgian camp. They're extremely confident, much more so, I think, than they were in France and in Brazil. I think that's because they're much more experienced. You know, people like Hazard, De Bruyne, Courtois have all won Premier League titles. And they're saying, basically, we're here to win it, you know. And, okay, this time, I think they mean it, you know. It's not saying they're going to win the tournament, but they really feel super confident. It's the first time
2: in a long time that Belgian positivity has been that high then, is it?
4: Yeah, it is really. Yeah, under Wilmots, it wasn't quite the same. They said a few good things, but uh, there wasn't this, I think they're just more experienced, you know. Right. Then they've come on as a team, That they're two years older, and for some of them, you know, they're feeling maybe this is our last chance. Do you think the
2: that effect has been helped by the, uh, the management pairing of Roberto
4: Martinez and, and Thierry Henry? Possibly, possibly. Wilmots, I don't think, was particularly popular with the fans or all the players. Um, Martinez, he's got a very light touch, you know, uh, and I think probably the players experience, uh, appreciate that. Um, he, he never criticises anybody. Um, whether he's doing a good job tactically is still to be proven. You know, as I say, I keep coming back to this point that they haven't really played anybody. Yeah. Um. They probably haven't beaten a decent team for a, for a long, long time. You know, years and years since they played a highly competitive game and won. Um, they've reached the quarterfinals of the last two tournaments and lost in each one, and that's the fear in the fans' minds that the same thing will be repeated. I see.
2: Um. Um, we've mentioned a few names there. Um, they are, it is a team full of players we all know. Back here in, in England, Courtois in goal, Alder World, Vertonghen at the back. You've got the attacking might of De Bruyne, Hazard, Lukaku, Fellaini, Dembele as well. Have they missed?
4: Is it Nangalainen? Nangalainen. Roger oh. Um, Not yet, no. They haven't missed anybody because they've only played Tunisia and Panama. I mean, oh, true. anybody could beat Tunisia and Panama if you're a contender. Um no, they won't miss him, probably won't miss him until the quarter-final. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of people think that Kevin De Bruyne is wasted in the position he's playing, because he's playing in front of the back four alongside Axel Witzel, which means he's never really in the danger areas too much. Um, people would like to see him pushed up, but then you'd have to rearrange the team or him replace Dries Merton, But but the feeling is that if you had an Angolan in there, alongside Witzel, you'd have a much stronger midfield, or or you could chase a four-three-three and bring in Angolan. And the feeling is, with Angolan in the squad, you have a not you have a lot more options when the going gets tough. Um, so interestingly, at the last press conference, well, a Dutch journalist asked actual Witzel if if. They missed, were missing Nangala, and if they were keeping in touch with him, and Witzel said, "I'm not going to answer that question. Well, okay. I'm here to talk about the next game." Yeah. Ah. But apparently, there's been a pact that nobody will say anything about Nangala. I
2: see. Interesting. Um, of course, many are going to remember the meeting back between the two in 1990 and David Platt's last-minute mm-hmm. winner. Um, I think it was 2012 when we, we last met, when England won by a goal to Yeah, it was at Wembley, wasn't it? That's right. Eden Hazard
4: um, was playing as a false nine, if I remember.
2: <laughs> oh, your, your memory's better than mine. Um, how do you see it going when we meet Thursday, 28th of June, in, in Kaliningrad?
4: Well, it's very hard to call. I don't know if you know, but Martinez, immediately after the game yesterday, said he's going to rest um, uh, Hazard, Lukaku and Mertens because they've all taken knocks. Um, no, I hadn't heard that. No, so it's it's hard to call, you know. If he does leave out those three, you know, the, the front three, if you like, the choices he's got are probably Bachuay, Thorgan Hazard, and uh, Adnan Januzaj, who's been brought into the squad very late and uh, has been looking very useful in Spain. I was looking at the draw before the tournament, and now, if you like, my feeling was that It's going to be Brazil or Germany in the quarterfinal if they get that far.
2: That was the feeling we had, yes.
4: Yeah, now having seen the results, etc., my feeling is it's going to be Brazil or Germany (laughs) in the quarterfinal. So I don't think anything's changed. Um,
2: Regardless of who finishes first or second, both sides, you would presume, will be thinking they can pass their Group H opponents in the next round. Uh, I mean, do you think
4: Belgium do have that similar feeling?
1: Oh, yeah 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 they're thinking
4: quarterfinal semifinal yeah 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 very confident um as I say my feeling before the tournament was they're gonna play Brazil or Germany and hit problems that I always come back to the defense because they've got at the moment they're playing with a, a back three with Dedrick boyata in the center of the three who is relative he's been playing well but you know Tunisia, Panama. I'm not sure if you can rely on him in the heat of battle, you know, in a quarterfinal. And the alternatives are Vincent Company and Thomas Vermaelen, who, is, who Martinez left in the squad despite the fact they're not fit. They said Vermaelen was, would be fit for the Tunisian game, but he wasn't. They said that both now would be fit for the England game, but I can't see them playing, you know. Because the company's not trained with the group yet. And Bamala has just started training with the group. So if it gets to the quarterfinal, can you really rely on those guys? I don't.
2: So it's, it's a hard situation for, uh, for them to juggle there. But they've, they've done well so far. That's
4: they've like, done brilliantly. They've, yeah. they, couldn't done, they couldn't have done better. I've been incredibly impressed by the attacking strength of the team and the way they played together. Uh, I mean, Lukaku. I've been a big critic of Lukaku in previous years, but he works his so- works his socks off, as they say. Yeah. And he never stops trying, and he's he may miss some chances, but God, he got <laughs> a lot of goals, he? and yeah, yeah, he he's you know? He could
2: be a contender for the Golden Boot, couldn't he? So he already, could
4: certainly, if Belgium. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, no question. How how did you find yourself in Belgium?
4: I, moved, I was moved there by a corporate American company. I used to be in corporate IT, uh, and they moved me from London to Brussels. I uh, stayed there a long time. Then I decided I didn't really want to work for one American company for, forever, so I left them with some IT consulting and at the same time thought I would like to get into writing. So I stayed in Brussels and, and switched to writing, and some other kind of journalism, a bit of European affairs, all that stuff. And I've always liked football. I'm a Manchester United supporter. So I wrote to the Manchester Evening News and, and said, can I cover your link with Antwerp back in 1999? And, and that was it, really. And then I worked for OneFootball.com, which you may or may not know. is a brilliant site, which didn't have a good business plan. Uh, worked for them for a few years, and then I started writing for people like World Soccer, Etc. Etc. Bit for 442 and various provincial p- papers when they actually paid freelancers in those days. Right. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> so, I mean, it's hard to make a living as a freelance football writer and I've had to do other things, you know. But I've enjoyed it and uh, uh, I started covering Belgium at a good time, you know, before the and golden God. generation, a phrase nobody liked.
2: Is it just the the national team or do you cover
4: No, I know I cover the league as well. I I, I always cover the league for for world soccer and I always keep in touch with the, the Belgian league. So I'm good I saw I saw Lukaku, you know, when he played for Anderlecht and De Bruyne when he played for Genk, you know. Good days, good days. And you're you're on Twitter. I would are you
2: open to people contacting you? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm belgo foot. Okay, Belgarfoot. well I'll go for I'll, uh, I'll put a link to that on our on our three lines podcast Much appreciated. Twitter feed. Um, so, being an Englishman in Brussels is it a case of head over heart or heart over head. What, what do you think?
4: Well, that's, I've lived in Brussels a long, long time, and if Belgium played England in, say, a semi-final, which is just about possible, maybe it might be a final. I don't know how the draw works so that far out. I could end up supporting Belgium. Ooh. Sorry. Sorry about that. But I've been so close to them for so many years. Yeah. And I've been away from England for so many years. I don't have the same connection, you know? Yeah, I understand. I mean, I like England a lot. I'm English. But against Belgium? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but Belgium can win this World Cup. And, Eng- and Southgate, who I really like, yeah, can win the next one.
2: We'll have the next one if you have this one. Okay, I'm, I'm, we'll see what happens in the Euros in between.
4: Yeah, that's true, and the and the new tournament, of course. That's right, the Nations League. Yeah, Nations League is, which is, I think, that's an excellent um, improvement on the situation, rather than lots of meaningless friendlies.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's the general consensus. Yeah, John, thank you very much for joining us on the Three Lions Podcast. Uh, enjoy the rest of the World Cup. Um, enjoy seeing how how Belgium progress. And uh, maybe we'll speak again in the future.
4: Yeah, I hope so, Russell. Thanks for inviting me. And um, I really enjoyed it. And good luck with your other podcasts.
2: You're welcome. Thank you very much. Yes, yeah, I'm sure they're going to relive it for all it's worth come Thursday. But uh, I couldn't get hold of David Platt. So I've got the next best thing. I've got an England (laughs) fan who was there. Uh, Andy Charles, welcome to the Three Lions podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Russell. No, you're welcome. You were there, weren't you? Bologna, round of 16, England, Belgium.
3: I was. Yeah, yeah. Strangely, I I was a student in Italy at the time and um, I went to a couple of games in the World Cup, but... um, because I was living in Florence at the time, uh, myself and another fellow football fan student went up to Bologna from Florence to uh, to the game. Uh, didn't have tickets. We bought tickets off touts up there. How about much was two, I?
2: Uh, how much was? I was, a ticket? I
3: was just going to say about fifty quid each, which is a lot of money twenty-eight years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for a student. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's what we did. Um, and we we had tickets in the Belgi- in in one of the Belgian sections. Um, along with an awful lot of other England fans. So that was good. <laughs> uh, it was probably about 60, 40 Belgian and English. There were a lot of England fans that, that had bought tickets off touts, clearly. Yeah, um, come cool. on. I remember the security around a stadium was immense. Um, you know, they were confiscating people's toothbrushes and things. so uh,
2: I'd heard that. I'd
3: read that. Yeah.
2: Um, they were really high on on yeah. taking basically anything you'd got in your pocket, anything coins
3: you had on you. They would take. They they. I had a flag actually, a, a Union Jack, and they hmm. they allowed me to have that, though they had a good look at it first.
2: <laughs> well, they they, <laughs> they still would, do.
3: Yeah, yeah. So in case it had sort of uh, fascist symbols or something, I don't know, but. Um, yeah, yeah. So we, we we went in, and I mean, <laughs> I don't think it was the greatest game of football ever, to be fair. Um, and there was there, there was some trouble in the section we were in. There was a lot of uh, uh, nobody got hurt, but there was a lot of sort of charge. The England fans charged. There was quite a hostile atmosphere. The Belgian fans oh. were sort of taunting us throughout the game, and uh, hmm. and the England fans at the end of ninety minutes when it was nil nil, hmm. um, suddenly on a signal, somebody whistled uh, uh, and, and there was a big charge of England fans up towards the Belgians. They all scattered, you know, like I said, it wasn't serious trouble, but mm. it was more just a, a charge and so on. But, um, cause obviously I think there'd been a, a few problems with the England fans earlier in Sardinia, uh, yeah. possibly, but, um, and yeah, and, and, and that amazing goal by, I mean, we all thought there's match drifted on and on and on, um, it's going to go to penalties, and you'd resigned yourself to penalties. I you? think everybody in the stadium had, and and we just didn't think it was it was going to anything was going to happen, and uh, I suppose penalties didn't loom. Nowadays, if 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 England were going to penalties, everyone would be despondent because we've got such an awful record. But probably back then, I don't think we did have. I don't think we'd been involved in that many penalty shootouts. Probably, um, so but. So I don't think any. I don't remember feeling it was negative or anything. It was just that nobody had done enough to win the game, and then suddenly that amazing goal. Gaza flicked it across, and 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 David Platt volleyed it in, and and it was literally almost the last kick of the match. Was so, that your end? Were you were you standing? No, it was, at that the, end? it was the opposite end actually.
2: Right. But so you have you probably had a decent so, view though.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and well, it was just disbelief. We just couldn't believe it. Nobody could believe it. If you watched the goal back now and I'm not probably over exaggerating, but it's an incredible goal. Oh yeah. It's an incredible piece of skill from both, both Gascoigne and, and Platt. And, um, and, and and obviously when it went in, there was no doubting that was the winning goal. It was like a golden goal. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that uh, they could have a way back from. Uh, And it was amazing. I just remember hugging a complete stranger. (laughs) We all started doing the disco, you know that funny. Oh uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, um,
2: yeah. I think it was Terry Butcher and and, and Chris, Chris Waddle. That's, That's right. right. That's
3: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was everybody was doing that and singing. Let's all have a disco. You know, that was that was the thing in that World Cup.
2: Perhaps we should. Uh, uh, perhaps we should bring that back. I
3: think, I think we World should. Cup. Yeah, I, I definitely <laughs> think we should. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then that, that that was it really. And and um, but again, I mean, I have still got memories afterwards because we were all held at gunpoint by the Italian police um, for what seemed an eternity. Um, It didn't worry me massively. Uh, We we were getting a train back to Florence, but um, it, 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 um, you know, it was a strange scenario because um, there was people with children and and, and I remember, uh, I think it was a, a young lad, probably about six or seven years old, fainted. Right. And was passed to the front and it was only at that point that the police... You know, we, the crowd was getting quite angry at that point, and the, the police just realised we, we've got to let these people out. Uh, I mean, they were so paranoid about preventing trouble, and, and uh, you know, with some justification. But um, and, and then we were all herded onto buses uh, to the railway station, uh, even though lots of people had hotels. You know, but, but we were herded to the railway station. So oh, they They most have had to walk back from the, ho- the the station to the hotel or whatever didn't didn't worry me that's where we were going but there weren't any trains for another three or four hours so there was lots of potential for trouble if yeah if if there'd been a, a willingness for it but you know it wasn't like that really D- despite what i said earlier about that you know there was a, a bit of bother in the stadium but it wasn't it, strange enough when there was trouble in the stadium the italian police didn't seem interested so stood back and just what? watched it, yeah though. yeah exactly yeah from a safe distance but yeah, uh, uh, I mean, I must be one of the luckiest England fans because I've only ever watched England play twice. Right, go on, what's the other quite time? Quite shameful on this uh, podcast. But um, the other one was uh, England versus Holland in Euro 96. So I, I do pick them. Yeah. yeah, you certainly do, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so. in
2: fact, I think that... Didn't they mention on, on the, the commentary of the Tunisia game the other night that that was whatever the maths was, if it was 28 years ago, so 22 years ago, um, on the night of the Tunisia game, was England uh, against Holland?
3: Uh, uh, oh, You're testing my maths here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, it must be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it must have been. Yeah. Well, that, that was a great one as well. I'll tell you, when we well, get... Well, that was on, a better game. I have to say, yeah. I, I specialise in the low countries. You know, I won't go and see England play, you know, somebody for exotic, but, you know, just Belgium yeah. or Holland. Yeah, that's that's
2: fun. The lowlands, yeah. So, 1990. Did you see what what was the atmosphere like in in Italy there? Did you go to any other ge- games? that? I
3: only out? went. To, I, I did go to a game in Florence. as I say I was living in Florence, and I went to watch uh, um, uh, the USA against Czechoslovakia as it was then. Right, uh, and that was five one to Czechoslovakia. In it was sort of just post Iron Curtain, so uh, there were about I think maybe a thousand Czech fans in the stadium, and they're the loudest fans I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. America were you know that that was kind of the first World Cup I think that they'd ever qualified or, or not ever qualified for but in modern times and uh, but yeah they, they they were soundly beaten by Czechoslovakia it was a you know an interesting game a fairly half full kind of stadium and a lot of the American supporters at that game um, didn't know much about soccer and <laughs> they didn't really quite understand it and I think they were just tourists and they'd heard there was a game on them and, and You know, they happened to be in Florence anyway, which is a beautiful city. Um, And uh, (laughs) so that's what they did. So that was the other game I went to. um, And yeah, I followed most of the the World Cup. I came home to England during the World Cup. I I wanted to go to the next game. After going to see the Belgium game, I wanted to go to the Cameroon game, which was the next one. Yeah, Uh, But it was down in Naples and that would have meant being away overnight most likely, uh, the, the logistics were just too difficult for me and I didn't go, uh, I think I ended up jetting home and watching it on the telly in England
2: With the, with the rest of us
3: Yeah, exactly, yeah, but uh, it was great to have a little flavour of it, and equally Euro 96, so anyone who went to any games in Euro 96 I went to two uh, I also saw Scotland Holland in, in uh, Villa Park um, Right, but you know the the atmosphere fantastic, and I, I must say this World Cup, the, the atmosphere seems to be coming across as as brilliant. You know, despite everyone's fears about it, so, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean the reports yeah. that that I've heard, there's been uh, zero trouble, and and England fans yeah. that I've spoken to have just said that that the Russian people out there are are just more than happy to to be friendly, welcome them into to Russia, show them around, and and just make it a spectacle.
3: It, and it has been a spectacle, you're quite right. I mean, it, it, it's, there's been some brilliant games. There have been very few poor games, and that's quite unusual, I think, in the, in the first you know, opening sort of group stage. Um, there's usually a few sort of stalemates, and there hasn't really been that. It's been very, very entertaining. Uh,
2: what do you think for, for England?
3: I think, I, I said before the tournament that I thought, for once, that we would do better than expected, uh, mm. and I stand by that. I I, th- I think we play we played very well in the Tunisia game. We made a hard work of it clearly, uh, but we should have been three nil up after about twenty minutes in that yeah. game. And and I think if we can continue to play like that, I'm not totally convinced about Sterling, but um, you know I, I, I do think we'll we'll do all right. I think the Belgium game will. We'll, by that point, that will sort of determine our destiny of, 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 of what path we take through the knockout stages. But uh, I, I would personally predict at least quarterfinals for England. Um, I think that
2: that is the general
3: consensus, yeah, isn't yeah. it? And I think that the weight of expectation... I, th- I think Southgate's done a brilliant job of picking a squad. I think that he's... You know, so many times in the past... And, uh, you know, this is not new stuff, original thoughts. It's, it, you know, people... Ever always said, you know, we we take injured players, players out of form, players who are big names to these tournaments, and they let us down. And he's not done that. He's been bold. He's he's, he's been innovative, and I think he's he's picked a great squad who've got a bit of belief. There isn't a weight of expectation on them, and I and I, and I believe they'll do really well. I really do.
2: That's good to hear. <laughs>
3: Andy, thank
2: you very much for uh, for sharing your memories of that Belgium game. Um, let's hope for the same result, but maybe not so. Uh, maybe we won't leave it so late this no, time.
3: No, absolutely no, no. But uh, I'll take a win any day. So, uh, but yeah, thank you for
2: That Belgium game is this Thursday the 28th of June, kick off 7pm English time. You can see it will be on ITV. Now it's hard to believe that only once in our 14 World Cup campaigns have we won all three group games. That was in 1982. I genuinely think we can do it again. Is it too early to be thinking of bringing it home? Right, I'm off to pack for a quick trip to Kaliningrad for England-Belgium where I'm hoping to see another decent England performance, soak up some of the Russian hospitality and hopefully get some reaction from England fans for the next podcast. I hope to get it out to you for as soon as possible, but bear with me, I need to squeeze in some work, family and general life too. Uh, If you do subscribe, then it should just download for you automatically. Thank you to Dom Smith and to CJ Joyner for talking England, John Chapman for his Belgium view and Andy Charles for his 1990 memories. Thank you for listening and to Classic Shirts for their continued support of this podcast throughout the World Cup. You can find them on Twitter, at Classic Shirts. If you are so inclined, please do leave me a review at the provider of your choice. I would be most grateful. If you are on your way to Russia, safe travels. Don't forget we are on Twitter at 3 Lions Podcast, and search the same on Facebook. You'll find us there. I'll catch you next time when we should know who we'll be facing in the round of 16 knockout.
0: If you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, check out the Classic Football Shirts HQ at the Box in Hackney. Screening every World Cup match with a pop up shop, World Cup artwork, and small shirt display from the 14th to the 24th of June. Tickets for guaranteed entry can be bought through Eventbrite. Just search Classic Football Shirts London.